Hey, God is good. Y'all ready for the word? Don't go quiet on me now. Hey, by the way, I can't emphasize enough the importance of our small groups, our grace groups on Wednesday nights. People are learning, people are being discipled, people are growing in leadership and their abilities as group leaders. And, and, and I, by the way, even if you're not going, those groups are already impacting you Amen. because they're impacting me. I go, Pastor Dev and I go every week, and we, we go to a different table every week. Most people go to the same one, but we kind of rotate around and, and uh, try to touch as many people's lives as we can. And uh, they're, they're really impacting me, and we're in this series called Transitions for Growth, and God keeps using these grace groups on Wednesday night to give me direction in preaching. By the way, it's very humbling to sit there in a, in a crowd of people that are talking about your sermon. It, it really is, and they, they're sharing things, they're learning from it, and insights and stuff that they got that's even better than you said it when you said it, and I thought, so it, it's awesome for us to be able to, to do that, and I told you last week that I was working on a sermon to preach last week, but God gave me a different direction during our, our, our small group that week, that week I was in Brianna Taylor's small group sitting right over here, and, and she had asked a question and, and, and as I was answering that question, I, and the people at the table could actually see it there, I was kind of, God was giving me like this direction for the next sermon. I thought I was going to be preaching something else. And believe, so that's Wednesday night. So I, I have to be done on Thursday. I have to turn in all my notes and PowerPoint and everything. So it, it kind of put a rush on me. But that's when I preached the message on uh, first be fruitful, then multiply. And I really didn't get to finish preaching that sermon last week because I felt an anointing at a certain part when I got talking about generational curses and, and, and I felt that I was going to preach on that today. But I didn't get to finish that sermon last week, uh, but I was planning on going to generational curses. But then we had grace groups again this week. <laughs> and our group leader was Trey O'Neill. And um, Last week, I just barely got into the fruit of the Spirit, and he dug deeper in it on, in, the, um, in the class on, the, on Wednesday night. And so I felt led to go back and really cover that material as a kind of a segue into this uh, and a preparation for teaching on, on generational curses, which I'm hoping is going to be next week, and it <laughs> depends on what happens on Wednesday night. Um, but I'm preaching today on this message, what fruit are you cultivating what fruit are you cultivating in your life? What fruit are you cultivating in your family, in your marriage, in your workplace, in your ministry? Last week we taught on God's original purpose and intent for human beings. Genesis 1, 26 through 27, you can turn there. We'll always have the passages up on the screen. The Lord said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And we talked last week in depth about the, the difference between God made us and God created us. If you didn't hear that, you need to hear that because we're a combination of things that God made and fashioned and, and put together and things that God formed out of nothing. The theology is called ex nihilo, out of nothing. 
And uh, you need to listen to that last week if you didn't get that because it's a very foundational message. But we see here some purposes for our lives. We were created to reflect the image of God. At all times and all places, not just church on Sunday, we were created to reflect the image of God. We were created for the presence of God. Eden was a place of God's presence where God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. They spent time with him, fellowshipping with him. We were created for the presence of God. God created us to have dominion, to rule and reign in life. God created us to be fruitful and multiply. God created us to work. I was wondering if I would get any amens on that. (laughs) Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Now get this, get this, listen. The first thing God gave man, when I say man, I'm talking about humankind, the first thing God gave us was his image. The first place God put us was in his presence. And the first thing God told us was to work. Those three things should be priority to us. Being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is our destiny. Romans 8 says we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. God is working in you, working all things for your good. And this is in the, that Romans 8 is, is in the context there of God working all things for your good. It, it, what it means is God works all things to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. And that is for your good. That should be a priority to you. Spending time in God's presence should be a priority. Working as unto the Lord and not unto man should be a priority to you. You should be actively cultivating these things in your life. By the way, God gave man work before the fall into sin. Work is not part of the curse. Work is part of God's purpose for you. I know people that say, I want to retire by the time I'm 40 years old. I say, what are you talking about? God God created you to work, and he gave man work before the fall into sin. And your work is determined by the way God created you and the gifts God given you and the place God has placed you. Adam was created by God to cultivate the ground. He was a cultivator, and he was placed in the Garden of Eden. Listen, there's something God created you to do. I always tell you, don't just settle for a job. Sometimes you have to settle for a job. You're going through school, you're needing income, but you need more than a job. You, you need a, and you need more than a career. You need a calling in life. You need to know this is what God's plan and purpose for me is. Calling is not just for full-time ministers and pastors and preachers and singers. Calling is for all of us, and you have a calling. And the key to success in life is finding that out. By the way, my definition of success is this, knowing God's will and doing it. And a lot of people go through life not knowing God's will, not knowing God's purpose, not knowing God's call for their life. But when you find it, you've become a person of purpose. And when you work and do your work well as unto the Lord, you become successful. By the way, God gave man work before he gave him a woman. And that's why most men 
find their worth from their work, not a woman. And it can be dangerous. It's something men have to fight because it's easy for man to put his work before God, before family, before everything else. And we've got to work at making family a priority. But ideally, a man should find his calling, find his work before he finds his woman. When Eve met Adam, he was already in Eden, already in the, listen ladies, listen to me, single ladies, please listen to me. I'm trying to help you today. Quit trying to find some man that you're going to change and make something out of. Quit looking for a project. When Eve met Adam, he was already in Eden. He was already in the presence of God. And he was already working. So when you're looking for a man, you find somebody who's living in the presence of God and somebody who has a calling and is working in their calling in life. You know, I, I talk to women, believers who... Dating somebody, and, I, and, I, and I'll ask them something, well, you know, is he, going, is he coming to church? Well, no, he don't go to church. Is he, is, is he even a believer? Well, you know, he believes in God. Oh, the devil believes in God. <laughs> is he working? Well, you know, he's kind of in between. In between. How long has he been between? Well, you know, it's been several years now. I live in his mama's house, but, you know, I'm going to help him. Hey, stop. Don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever and get in a situation where you're trying to support somebody for the rest of your life. Listen, a man of God needs to know how to live in the presence of God. He needs to know his calling and his work, and he needs to be doing it. That was, I hope that helps you to somebody today. <laughs> um, I, I, some people do evangelistic dating, I think. They're like, I'm going to get this person saved, and uh, you know, I'm going to marry them, and somewhere down the road they're going to come to God and all that. And I, I, you know, Maybe I've seen it happen where they do, but I've seen a lot more happen where they don't. And so I'm just trying to help you today. Two, are, two other purposes that God created us, found in Genesis 2.15. The Good News translation says, the Lord placed the man in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and guard it. I talked to the men at the men's breakfast about this uh, a couple weeks ago, about serving and protecting, protecting our, our families and guarding. But I want to talk today more about the cultivating part. Uh, cultivating is different from work. It's a little different. When you're working, you're doing what you're called to do, that's true, and you're working, and, but when you're working in your calling, you're not just doing a job, like I said, you are cultivating something. Think of a farmer when you think of a cultivator. He plants seed, he digs up ground, he plants seed, he waters it, he fertilizes it, he, he wants it to grow. So when you, are, when you are cultivating, you are growing something, you are growing a business, you are growing a family, you are growing a, a ministry, you are growing your career, you are growing in your education, you're building something, you're, you're developing something. And when you, when you cultivate something, it becomes bigger and better than it was, more fruitful, more effective. When you cultivate something, it produces more than it does before. Listen, 
And listen close. God expects us to cultivate. And God will hold us accountable for cultivating, increasing what he gives us. You can find that in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. You've heard it before probably, but I'm going to read it again. A man was going on a journey, and he called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two, to another one. According to his ability, then he went on his journey. God is saying to us, he's given each of us abilities. Talents here actually had to do with money. He's given each of us different income levels, each according to our ability. Given us gifts according to our ability. And the man who received five went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also with the two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And I've seen that time and time again. When somebody sees themselves less gifted, they hide their talent. They hide what they can do for God. And they say, how can God use me and what I have when God has these other 10 talent, 5 talent people out here? I'm going to hide my measly little talent. But God is coming for you to see what you did with your one, just like he's coming for the two and the five. After a long time, the master returned and settled accounts with them. The man who received five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents came also. Master, you entrusted me with two talents. I've gained two more. And the master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Remember I preached on this not long ago. Be faithful with small things. Be faithful with other people's things. Be faithful with money. And you will see increase. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who received one talent came. Well, master, I knew you were a hard man. Some people just have the wrong concept of God. Harvesting where you've not sown, gathering what you've not scattered seed. I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here it is. I've given you back what belongs to you. Giving you back exactly what you gave me. No cultivation, no increase. And the master did not say, well done. In fact, the master said, you wicked lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bank so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By the way, I'm reading from the New Testament. It's red letters in your Bible. It's Jesus speaking. Amen. Evidently, God takes very seriously what he gives us. Evidently, God takes it very seriously that we cultivate and show increase with what he gives us. He's not satisfied with us just maintaining. He's not looking for maintenance workers. He's looking for cultivators. He expects to see increase. He expects to get back, get back more than he gives. This shows you how to get blessed in the kingdom of God, how to get promoted. Cultivate. Cultivate. 
It shows you also how to get in trouble with God. Do nothing. Be passive. But God expects you to increase, to cultivate, to grow, to improve. If you're still doing the same thing now you were doing 10 years ago with no improvement, something's wrong. God's purpose is that you cultivate everything around you. Cultivate your business, cultivate your marriage, cultivate your family, cultivate your children. You should be building your spouse up, building your children up, not tearing them down. Cultivate them. Help them discover their gifts. Help them discover their talents. Help them discover their call in life. Pray for them. Bless them to help develop them to their potential. Your goal is to help them to be all that God created them to be. Your goal is never to hold them back, but to help them advance. God created you to cultivate. One of the greatest joys in our lives as, as parents for Pastor Devin and I is our children are doing so well. They each have their own business and they're, they're doing incredibly, incredibly well, way beyond what we ever dreamed in our lives. Way beyond. It's, it's an amazing blessing. And, and we're so excited. We never say, well, why are they making so much more than us and all this, you know. No, we are excited. We want them to be blessed. We want them, we want them, and, and we want them to be cultivated and to grow. But listen to me, before you cultivate others, you've got to first cultivate yourself. What's your plan for growth and development? What books are you reading to help you grow? What, what seminars are you attending? Who's mentoring you to help you grow and, and to move down the, the road in, in your calling in life? You should always be coming a, a new and improved version of you. The NIV, in, new and improved version <laughs> of you. You should have improved this year over last year. Next year, you should improve over this year. That won't happen all just on its own. Most of us just stay in maintenance row mode, but with God's help, we can make it happen. But it all starts in our mind. You must first see the need to cultivate. You must certain, first see God's call for you to cultivate, and then you must change your, the way you think. You've got to begin to think like a success, not a failure, like a leader, not a follower. You've got to think in terms of increase, not decrease. And I'm not just talking money here. I'm talking character. I'm talking about love in your family. I'm talking about, we're going to be talking about the fruit of the Spirit and, and spiritual things that God wants you to cultivate. Get out of the realm of money. It includes that, but it's everything in your life. It just says you must be fruitful before you multiply. You must cultivate yourself before you cultivate others. You must be a disciple before you can disciple someone else. You, your first priority, I believe, in, in discipling and cultivating must be your family. Your immediate family and your church family. Listen, your spouse needs a Christ-like husband or wife. Your children needs a Christ-like parent. Now listen. Listen. You are cultivating something all the time, either intentionally or unintentionally. And last week, I felt I touched the nerve when I talked about what it's like as a parent to realize the sobering reality that your child is becoming like you in a way that's not good. Now, actually, we're all producing good fruit in children, but we also see some things that are not so good usually. So we're, fruit, we're, we're cultivating some of the fruit of the Spirit and some of the fruit of ourselves. 
But our goal must be to maximize cultivating the fruit of the Spirit and minimizing the fruit of ourselves. This is what we got into somewhat on Wednesday night. Thank you again, Trey. On Galatians chapter 5. Because last week I just mentioned the fruit of the Spirit. And due to time, I felt led to leave out out the, the, the first part of that chapter, but I felt led to go back into that today as a segue into generational curses because you're going to see two, two uh, dramatically different lists here, okay? Genesis 5, starting in verse 16. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love that. It's a positive statement. If you walk and live your life in the power of the, the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of our flesh. Most of us walk in the spirit of trying to say no to our flesh, to press things down, to just say no. But if you don't just say yes to the Holy Spirit, you won't have the power to just say no to anything. The flesh wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us the desires that are opposite of what the flesh desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Listen to that. You know that. There is fighting within you. The will to do good, the will to, to please God, or the will to please yourself. They're fighting each other, so you're not always free to carry out your good intentions. Now, he gives us two lists here. The works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. These are works of the flesh. These are things that we do on our own and in our own strength. And let me tell you again, as I've told you before, Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, he's not saying you, anybody who ever committed those sins. He's saying if that is your lifestyle. You got me? But the fruit of the Spirit, in contrast, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ have nailed these passions and desires of their flesh to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Listen, we've all produced fruit from both of those lists. But our goal is to stop producing the fruit of our flesh and cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And listen, this is key to our teaching on generational curses because generational curses come from producing the fruit of the flesh and then multiplying that in future generations. But generational blessings come from cultivating the fruit of the Spirit and then multiplying that in our children and future generations. And you'll never become Christ-like apart from the, spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. How's that fruit grown in our lives? By self-effort? Not really. But let me say, it's a joint effort. It is a joint effort. We are co-laborers with Him. And when we walk in the Spirit, we cultivate the fruit of the Spirit rather than the works of the flesh. And, and we've got to draw our life from, from the vine. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, uh, draw our strength from the true vine who is Jesus Christ. And all our strength and power comes from being connected to him, connected to the power of the Spirit, connected to Jesus. I remember, well, I remember one time Deb and I went, we were in Florida, where sister lives there in Orlando, 
and this place we're close to where she lives, they had these bike paths all over that go for just miles. And we got on them and went a long ways one day, and uh, we were just kind of getting really thirsty, and we came through an orange tree, orange, orange grove. By the way, did you ever have an orange right off an orange tree? Pull it off and eat it? Man, you will have orange juice like flowing down your clothes. <laughs> By the time we get them, they're half dried out. It was pretty mind-boggling how satisfying this, this thing was. But, but while we were going through that orange grove, those oranges, trees were producing orange, and it, we didn't hear one tree grunting or groaning or straining trying to produce an orange. The orange was a natural byproduct of the life that was in the tree, the life that was in the branch. And spiritual fruit is a product of the life that is in us. The life that's in you is going to produce fruit, either the life of the flesh, your own simple nature, or the life of the spirit. You can't do it on its own. You can't work up fruit on its own. How's this fruit grown? The Holy Spirit grows this fruit in us as we abide in the vine and walk in the spirit. In John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might, may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself. You got that? You got that? Do the rest of y'all got that? Okay. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And without me you can do Nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch, is withered, and they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you'll be my disciples. Notice branches can bear no fruit, some fruit, more fruit, or much fruit. I want much fruit. I don't want no fruit. I don't want a little fruit. I want much fruit from the work that I do in the Lord. And Jesus shows us here three keys of fruitfulness. Abide in the word. Abide in Christ. Abide in prayer. Abide means to stay there, to live there. Don't leave that place. Stay in the word. Stay in the spirit of prayer. Stay in your position in Christ. Abiding in the word of God. It's a key to fruitfulness. Are you abiding in the word? Are you living in the word? Is the word living in you? This word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides asunder soul from the spirit and is a, a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. The word is alive. It's powerful. It's active. I've got a library full of books here and at home, much to my wife's chagrin. i got books everywhere, and I've read a lots of books, but there's nothing like this book. There's no life like the word of God. Are you living in it? Without that, there will be no fruit. Abiding in Christ is a key to fruitfulness. It's knowing your position in Christ. He's the branch. We're the, we're the vines. He's the vine. We're the branches. And we, we bear fruit as we abide in him. And we live close to him. We draw our strength from him. We fellowship with him. Without him, we can do nothing. Listen, a vine has one great purpose, to bear fruit. It's useless for making furniture. It's useless for building a house. It doesn't even make good firewood. It's created to bear fruit as long as it abides in the vine. 
Psalm 92, 12 through 15 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, The Lord is upright. He is my God. There's no wickedness in him. Notice how fruitfulness is tied to being planted. Planted in the house of God. Not showing up occasionally, not just watching online, planted in the house of God, planted in ministry, planted in, 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 in gifting, planted in using my gifts, planted in giving, planted in receiving, planting in ministering to others and receiving ministers from others. We need to be rooted and grounded in God's God and his family. And the third key to bearing fruit is asking. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words in you, ask what you desire and it will be done for you. James said, you have not because you ask not. We need to abide in Christ, abide in his word, and abide in prayer. And as we do that, he will make us fruitful. So I ask you, what kind of fruit are you cultivating in your life? If you're not cultivating, I'm saying to you, are you in the word? Are you sowing the seed of the word in your life? Are you, are you abiding in Christ? Do you know your position in Christ? Do you know that he's your righteousness? Do you know who he is in you and who you are in him? Are you abiding in prayer? Are you planted in the house of God? And I'm going to close with giving you real quick some insight about cultivating from a little-known parable found in Luke 13, 6 through 9. <clears throat> Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it, and he found none. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, we're the gardeners. The Lord owns the gardeners, and he expects fruit. If he doesn't find any, over a period of time, he says, cut it down. But notice what the gardener said, let me dig and let me fertilize. The purpose of digging is to loosen the soil and to remove some things from the soil. What things? Things that impede growth. Things like rocks, things like weeds. You've got to dig those out. But he said, also, I want to fertilize. I want to add some things. What things? The things that aid growth. And in our church, one of our responsibilities as, as elders and pastors is to remove the things that hinder growth and add things that add growth. So we spend our lives digging, fertilizing, and sometimes cutting down trees. That's the hard part. But that's all part of change. That means we've got to look at every ministry at our church and say, is it bearing fruit? Or, or in some areas are we just going through the motions, doing the same thing year after year without bearing any fruit? In the parable, God expects fruit. If there's no fruit, he says, cut it down. And we've got to look at ministries over time. If there's no fruit, if nobody's getting ministered to by, to by it, why are we doing it? Why are we wasting the soil? Why are we wasting the time? It's the same thing in our personal lives. We need to plant seeds, and then we need to water them, and we need to fertilize them. There's things we need to add, there's things we need to take out, and there's things we need to cut out of our lives. 
I'm talking about you being a cultivator. Are you planting seed? Are you watering seed? Are you adding in what needs to be added? Are you removing things that need to be removed? Are you cutting things down that are, that are useless or harmful in your life? Listen, you'll never transition to growth until you begin to cultivate. And you'll never cultivate until you start thinking like a cultivator. You'll never be a leader until you think like a leader. You'll never be the boss until you think like a boss. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So start renewing your mind with the Word of God and cultivate yourself and see fruit growing so you can fulfill God's purpose in your life and cultivate everything around you. If you're going to make transitions for growth, you must first be fruitful, then multiply. If you're lost, get saved. If you're saved, grow in Christ. If you're growing in Christ, get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and growing in Christ, be fruitful. If you're fruitful, then multiply by cultivating. Multiply new believers. Multiply disciples. Multiply character in your life and in your family. Multiply results at work. Multiply everywhere you go, little by little, from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from glory to glory, little by little, you will possess the land of your promise. Become a cultivator of fruit, and you will fulfill God's destiny for your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Lord. I pray right now that you would show each of us areas in our life that you want to add something in. Areas of our life you want to take something out. Areas of our life you want to cut something down. Say, stop it. Not profitable, not helping you. Lord, reveal that to us. We don't want to aimlessly go through life. God, for those who don't know their call, who don't know their purpose, God, would you begin to speak to them? Open their eyes and their heart and their mind to see what you've called them to be, what you've called them to do. God, I pray you'd make us a church a fruitful people cultivating the fruit of your spirit, not the fruit of our flesh, in our lives and in future generations. In Jesus' name, amen. Our prayer team is down front here. If you need prayer for anything, we want to pray with you. We, I know we already had an altar call, but maybe God spoke to you during the message. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, today's the day of salvation. If you've never been filled with the Spirit, today's the day to get filled. If you need healing, if you need a job, if you need prayer for wisdom, if you need prayer for something you heard in this sermon, if you need prayer for uh, uh, somebody else, or if you want to come down here and just pray on your own, we want to pray. We believe in the power of God. Amen. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for being here. I so enjoyed it. We're going to sing one more song, and then we'll be dismissed. Come on down.